I've been getting in my steps, lifting weights, and now I'm trying really hard to get as much protein as I can. That's why I'm excited about trying Clean Simple Eats because they're just that, clean and simple. Their protein powder is always grass-fed with no seed oils or artificial ingredients. It's third-party tested and non-GMO and gluten-free. They've got 26 delicious all-natural flavors. You really can't go wrong with any of them. They've got Simply Vanilla and other unique flavors like cookies and cream, caramel toffee, and even cinnamon roll. I have a feeling my entire family may just like Clean Simple Eats protein powder, and they're probably going to use it every day because it's so easy to put into your milk or a recipe my daughter loves to bake or in a smoothie, which my son loves to drink almost every day. You can It's amazing really in any form. Visit cleansimpleeats.com and use the code ASKLISA20 at checkout for 20% off your first order. That's cleansimpleeats.com with the code ASKLISA20 for 20% off your first order. You know, some people enjoy composing their own music, chord by chord, and others are happiest when they come across that one perfect song. Work is not a lot different than that. Whether you prefer building your own workflow or using a pre-made template, with Monday.com, you and the team can work in a way that's comfortable for everyone. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment. This is Ask Lisa, a podcast to help people understand the psychology of parenting. Psychologist Dr. Lisa Damore, author of two New York Times best-selling parenting books, takes your questions. And I'm co-host Rena Ninen, a journalist and mom of two. Some of what we talk about comes from raising children ourselves. Most of the time, I'll be getting answers to your parenting questions. So send your questions to AskLisa at drlisademore.com. Episode 66, Should I Bribe My Kid? What age do your kids actually do things that you don't have to keep nagging them over and over and over again to do? 35. <laughs> <laughs> it sure um, feels that way. It can feel that way. You know, actually, Rena, what interests me here, what I think of when you ask that question, is actually how there's a real shift. And it, for a lot of parents, it feels like overnight in terms of how nagging goes down with your kids. So when your kids are little, you know, pre-adolescent, I think what a lot of people find, I certainly find, is if you say, you know, you need to clean your room, you need to do this thing, they may, you know, grumble about it. But if you lean on them or if you get mad, they will do it. And Hmm. then really, like one day they wake up and you say to them, you need to clean your room and they don't want to do it. And if you get mad, then they're definitely not going to do it. That They just dig in their heels. And it is so much for me. If you want to mark the beginning of adolescence, <laughs> like that's the moment. And so wow. for me, that's, I think, one of the trickiest um, transitions in parenting to lose all your power of nagging and all your power of getting mad and actually find that it only entrenches your kid further in their refusal um, is not the most fun moment in parenting, but a very interesting one. Interesting. I, I love when we're reading our going through our inboxes and all the letters that parents sent in. And there's so many of them constantly where I feel, oh my gosh, I'm so validated by this one. <laughs> and this parent sends in a question asking, should you bribe your kid? And it reads, 
Hi, Dr. Lisa. My son is 11, soon to be 12, and it's getting increasingly difficult to convince him to do anything. I've listened to your other episodes about adolescence, and I know that this is par for the course. But I'm wondering if bribery is sometimes an acceptable strategy. He used to never say no when I'd ask him to do something, but now it's the first thing out of his mouth. Recently, I've been trying to get him to join some after-school clubs. Otherwise, he just comes home, watches YouTube videos, or plays computer games. He's a great kid and a great student. He gets his work done on time, gets good grades, and is, for the most part, very pleasant. I don't want to overschedule him, but I think he needs to be doing something at least three days a week because he's driving me crazy. We don't bribe him to do things he's supposed to do anyway, like try his best in school, do his chores, practice piano. But is it okay to offer a reward for trying sometimes something new? Or am I setting myself up for disaster down the line? And I guess another question is, how busy should he be? In some ways, I think he deserves a break. But his attitude lately tells me he needs more structure. Thank you so much for all your helpful advice. How do you handle that reflexive no? Right, where she's like, kid, here's a great idea. And it's so funny. This kid is like right on time for adolescence. You know, she's oh. putting these great ideas in front of him. And he's like, nope, 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 nope. Um, and this is not unusual. I live with two members of my family who operate with a reflexive no. That whatever you offer, actually, when I remember when um, my husband's one of them. And I remember years ago, we used to have ice cream every night after dinner. And I would go in the TV room and I'd say, do you want ice cream? And he'd say, no. And then I'd wait a minute. I'd say, how many scoops? And he'd say, two. (laughs) So so I I am very seasoned in the world of the reflexive no. Okay, there's two things that I have found work at home and also in my office um, that I think are worth trying when parents are coming up against a kid who's just saying no, maybe just because they don't want to do it that minute or they just don't want to think about it. So one option is to say to the reflexive knower, um, I have something I want to run by you. I actually don't want an answer right now. I want you to think about it a little bit, chew on it. It may not be up your alley, but, you know, think it over and then let me know, you know, what you, what you make of it. So to, to slow down the process, to not actually allow them to, um, you know, dismiss it out of hand. Mm. So that's one option. So making them, uh, just saying... I- think about it. You don't have to answer it right now. That buys you some time. And do they really think about it and then change their mind? I think they may still say no. Yeah, yeah. But it ups your odds of getting Mm. a yes, or it ups your odds of actually getting a conversation. All right. And that's what we're going to want to think through about this mom and this kid is how to have a conversation. The second option that you can use in a lot of different ways and that I find very useful, especially clinically, is... If you ask something like, hey, do you want to try this you know, after-school activity? And the kid's like, no. You might say back, okay, I totally hear you. That's your first reaction. And that's a completely valid first reaction. I want to leave the door open that you might have a second reaction. That if you think it over a little bit or you, know, you have some more time to chew on it, that you might change your mind. So if you have a second reaction, let me know. And, and I think that can be helpful because especially imagine this from the perspective of the 11 or 12-year-old. If you say, hey, do you want to add baseball to your schedule? And they're like, no. And they're very firm about it. It actually takes a lot for a kid to come back and say, you know, actually, I was thinking it over. <laughs> and on second thought, <laughs> yeah. I would like to add baseball to my schedule. So 
doing something where you're like, I hear you, and the door is still open, can make it easier for the kid to walk back through that door. Mm, that's really good because I think we get into confrontation. I get the no, and then I just lose it. I lose a pot, <laughs> and there's no second option. <laughs> Because the nuclear option has been executed. Exactly. You've gone nuclear and it's over. Um, oh, my what gosh. What are the negotiations? Like, do you find yourself doing this with your kids where you're trying or you're saying no or they're saying no? Or what are you finding right now? Because you've got a kid right at this age. Yeah. No, completely. I think the, the negotiations right now is about when do I get my iPhone? And mm. at the end of fifth grade, a lot of parents, uh, you know, because the next step is middle school, give their kids a phone. And I don't feel ready to do that yet. Um, and, you know, largely because of a lot of what you said, once you hand a kid a phone, it just opens mm -hmm. up so many things. And, you know, with COVID, especially right now, he's just so much closer to home. You know, he's here and it's not like they're off doing stuff to where I need to reach him, which is really my main concern for the phone, um, for giving him a phone. So... But I do notice him trying to make a point of saying, Mom, look, I'm taking on this extra responsibility. See, don't you think I'm ready for an iPhone? Mm. So I feel him trying to be conscious about taking steps. But this is like a red line, Lisa. Like I'm, I, in my mind, have said at least the age of 12, you know, but it's, we'll still think about it even at 12. Well, so here's something I think that applies to your son and then also applies to this boy in the letter which is, you know, that idea of a conversation and that part of what makes for a good conversation with kids when they want something or we want something, right, when you're coming to the negotiation table or trying to get to the negotiation table with your kid, I think it can be very helpful to tell them what the negotiables are and what the non-negotiables are. And, and it really invites them into the conversation. And it also means that there's not going to be any unexpected tricks or they're not going to feel like you promised one thing and did another so thinking about your boy for a minute, like, what's the non-negotiable here? Like, what what's not happening for sure? Getting an iPhone in the middle of fifth grade, like at this point right now. Okay, there you go. So the, to say to him, all right, it's not going to happen, buddy, right? It's not going to happen um, because we're not doing that. What are the negotiables? I guess when he would get it, which is definitely at some point in middle school. I'm not saying no to any iPhone, but... I just have seen the research that the further you delay it, the better it is, right? Yeah. And so that that's my personal decision as a parent that I've chosen to make. But I really don't know when that right time is. And I think he feels ostracized because so many kids have, you know, phones already. Yeah. Is there anything he can do? If you've said, you know, fifth grade, it's a non, not, it's a non-starter. Is there anything he can do that would bring it closer to him in the sixth grade? Oh, that's interesting. I never thought of that before. Um, I've always seen it from like, well, you don't really need one. You know, you get up, yeah. you come from school, you, you're back here. Like, we don't really need to reach you. We know where you're at. But it, the phone is obviously so much more for him than the way I'm looking at it. Yeah. I don't know. That's a great question. I guess taking on more responsibility around the house. Well, the one way to think about it, right? And then we'll we'll come back to this boy with the after school stuff is we often have to say no to our kids they often prefer it if we can say yes when. You know, yes when you are doing this or yes when you have taken on this responsibility or yes when you are, you know, getting the grades that we've agreed to. And so I wonder as you think through this with your son, if there's a yes when that you can offer him. Hmm. That's good. That's really good. I want to get back to this letter, Lisa, about yeah. is it okay to bribe a kid? And the mom's asking here to do more activities. 
Well, all right. So let's think about what's driving it. Because I heard two key drivers in her letter that I think are really important. Because if we're going to do something like bribing, we want to have a why. We want to have a reason. And the two key drivers I heard, one was that when he comes home and is unstructured, it's a lot of YouTube and computer. Yes. Which she'd really rather not have happening. Yes. And then the other, which she says right at the end, is that she gets the sense he could use more structure, right? So these two together, and they're very closely related, do make the case for leaning on this kid, for trying to make it happen. And and I want to rest on those for a minute because otherwise, this is a great kid. I mean, he is a great kid. But it's not otherwise really clear that he needs a whole lot more activity. Like, you know, she says he's doing all the right things. He's, you know, oh, totally well behaved. He's, you know, doing things without being bribed. You know, there's all this stuff that argues yeah. for not leaning on this kid too much. But she doesn't love the YouTube and computer and she doesn't – she has the sense that he needs more structure. So one option is bribing. And and she could say, I totally hear you that you don't want to try, you know, this coding camp after school. Um, and I'm going to offer you this carrot to just try it, right? Because sometimes for kids, once they try it, they'll like it. Mm-hmm. And so she might feel like it's worth using the bribe to get him over that hump. Mm. But if she remains very uncomfortable with bribing, I think there's a couple other paths to pursue. And and I always like to think, what's the more um, the path with fewer hesitations, the things I'm less concerned about? And I'll try those first. And if those don't work, maybe we'll fall back on bribing. So one thing I wonder is if the issue is more about the YouTube and the computer, could the way she negotiates this with the kid go something like her saying, okay, fine, you don't have to do more activities, but actually, if you're not going to be doing stuff outside the house, when you're in the house after school, I don't want you spending so much time on YouTube and computer. That has to be replaced with reading or something like that. So that's the negotiation. Like, all right, buddy, I'll lean off, you know, I'll ease up on you about the activities. But the trade-off is I need for you to not be doing YouTube and computer. So that's one option. And Lisa, before you give us the next one, we're going to pause, take a short break, and we'll be right back. EarthBreeze EcoSheets look just like a dryer sheet, but instead of being a dryer sheet, they're in fact an ultra-concentrated liquidless laundry detergent. It's really the best of all worlds. EarthBreeze is tough on stains and odors while being kind to the planet and to your skin. Personally, I get a huge kick out of using EarthBreeze. I love the fact that it takes up less space is better for the environment, and yet it leaves my clothes smelling so good, and it gets them so clean. Here's the bottom line. Making a positive impact in the world doesn't have to come at a cost to you. My clothes are clean, they smell great, and I feel like I actually did something good, not just for my laundry, but also for the earth. Right now, my listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. That's earthbreeze.com slash asklisa to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. earthbreeze.com slash asklisa. So I'm really starting to feel it in my mid-40s, just how much stress, hormone fluctuation, and the lack of sleep can really affect the way your skin looks, from dry skin to dark spots and acne. This is why I love One Skin. 
they can really help. They've got a simple skincare routine that tackles skin issues at the cellular level. I love that this is an all-women team of scientists. One Skin's developed a proprietary peptide called OS1 that's scientifically validated to actually improve the health of your skin beneath the surface. No irritation, no complicated multi-step routine. It's so simple. I really have felt the difference in how my face looks after using this product. One Skin is the world's first skin longevity company by focusing on the cellular aspect of aging. One Skin keeps your skin looking and acting younger for longer. So get started today. Try it out with 15% off using the code AskLisa at oneskin.co. That's 15% off oneskin.co with the code AskLisa. And after your purchase, they'll ask where you heard about them. Please support our show and tell them the Ask Lisa podcast sent you. I was recently watching an interview of the wife of a world leader. And in the middle of the interview, she reaches over to pull her bra strap up. And I thought, boy, this is something all women everywhere are struggling with. This is why I absolutely love Honey Love. I have the crossover bra, which is just so functional, but it feels so good on. I feel like I've got the support without feeling like I've got this heavy duty bra on. I've been through all the bras. The elastic wears out, the underwire pinches into your skin. You have to hand wash some. You can only wash them this type of detergent. And I just wanted something that takes out all the fuss and will support me day in and day out. Honey Love's not just supporting women, it's empowering women. So treat yourself to the best bra on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com slash askalisa. You can use our exclusive link to get 20% off. That's honeylove.com slash askalisa to find your perfect fit. And after you purchase, they're going to ask you where you heard about them. We hope you support the show and tell them Askalisa sent you. Honeys, you deserve this. Free the pain and discomfort and keep the support with Honey Love. We're back on the Askalisa podcast. So Lisa, you were talking about strategies that work when you want to bribe your kid, but you don't quite feel comfortable. And in this letter, you were saying that one of the strategies, the mom's worried about the kid being on YouTube all the time and and video gaming. You're like, well, if you choose not to do activities, then you've got to replace that with reading. What's your other strategy? The other option, and this goes back to the negotiables and non-negotiables, would be to say to him, listen, the non-negotiable is that you're adding an activity. Mm -hmm. The negotiable is what you're adding. So I can come up with, you know, this coding camp and this chess club and this, you know, ski club and, you know, something else. Those are the ones I can think of. If you want to add something to that pile that sounds good to me, I'm here for it. It's not that I have to say what you're going to be doing, but I am going to say that you will be doing something more. So you have choice my sweet son, about what you're going to be doing, but you don't have choice about whether or not you're going to be doing more. And so those are two half-step options, you know, like, you know, it's reading, not YouTube, or it's something, but you get to choose, that if those don't work, and this mom remains uncomfortable with bribing, I would try those first. And then, all you know, if all else fails, be like, all right, kid, I'm going to, you know, <laughs> let you do X, Y, and Z that you've been wanting to do if you'll at least try the computer camp or the chess club or whatever. Um, that can be a way to go. Mm. So what about grades, Lisa? Do you think it's a good idea to bribe your kids to up their grades? This is a really interesting question. And, you know, so she makes very clear in this letter that she doesn't need to, that this is a, a boy who does, you know, earnest work in school without being bribed to do so. But this comes up about whether or not parents should bribe kids for grades. And my general 
general rule is no, but I will tell you the exception. So the general rule is no. Like, it's kids' jobs to do their schoolwork. It's our Mm -hmm. jobs to do our jobs. And usually, instead of bribing them, what you can do is you can attach responsibility to freedom. So if a kid isn't doing well academically or doing as well academically as they should be doing, it's perfectly reasonable for a parent to say, look, like this is where I can see your good judgment. And if you're not showing me good judgment at school, no, you cannot go running around the block, you know, unsupervised because I need your good judgment there. Mm -hmm. So if you want that kind of freedom, then you get better grades and I will give you that kind of freedom. So usually that can take the place of bribing. Now, the exception I have seen in my practice is with a 13 or 14-year-old, say a ninth grader, who is not that um, motivated by freedom. (laughs) They don't really care. And they don't have much interest in school, and they actually may not have that much interest in other things either. And so they're not really doing very well academically. And the parents are like, all right, kiddo, you know, we're going to put the screws to you. If you don't do better at school, you can't go out on the weekends. And they go, fine, I won't go out on the weekends. And then the parent's like, oh, no, right? Here I have a ninth grader who's not that motivated at this moment who is shooting themselves in the foot academically and who is making part of a record that will follow them grades that they're not going to be happy with in two years. And under those conditions, I have said to parents, you certainly have my permission to say to that young person, look, I get it that you're not motivated by freedom. I get it that you're not motivated by increased, you know, privileges. But we really worry that you're going to hit 16 and be really frustrated that these are the grades you got. So we'll bribe you to get better grades in the name of you feeling like you haven't closed doors that you didn't mean to close. Mm. That's the exception I will see. Can I tell you, I have to admit, I believe in bribing. Is that bad to say? I do, because I sort of feel like in the real world, you produce and, you know, in the corporate world, you get a bonus structure for hitting certain targets and it's a motivator, right? Um, So I... Like, you know, for kids for school, we do a end of the year sort of like gift, you know, where it's like uh-huh. something 20 bucks. You can go to the toy store in town and pick out something for $20. But the deal is you've got to keep doing well and applying yourself and doing your reading. And, and you know, it's not an ABCD sort of um, report card that the kids get in our school system. So, yeah. you know, it's – yeah. So it just – is an incentive at the end. It's not a big deal. It's not like the $100 whatever that they're asking for for Christmas. It's a small little thing, but they look forward to it. And I feel it keeps them motivated. But you're saying it's really not good to set up that precedent of bribing your kids. Like you get all A's or or you get A's and B's and we'll buy you whatever that thing is that you want. Well, what's interesting, Rena, is you're getting us into, I think, a very important and subtle distinction, uh-huh. which is bribing versus celebratory gifts. Oh. And, and, and I think we don't necessarily – we don't usually take the time we, that we should to, to sort of, un, you know, kind of pull these apart and think about them differently. So it sounds to me like what you're describing is your kids on their own – do a pretty good job of bringing their energy and taking school seriously and doing a good job. And then at year's end, you're like, 
well done. Congratulations. Yeah. We're so yeah. proud of you. Yeah. And that's something we've done as well that um, it's funny. It, it feels like it's fallen apart a little bit in the pandemic, but it used to be at the end of the school year, we we live, the restaurant at Nordstrom's is a place my kids really like. Wow, it is and nice. So, yeah, so the, before the pandemic, we would have sort of a end of the school year, lovely, you know, celebratory dinner at the restaurant at Nordstrom's. Ooh, I like and that. And I would usually have gifts for them, you know, a little oh. bracelet. A little, and I was just saying, we see how hard you worked. We're so proud of you. That's such a good job. And that, I'm right there with you. Like that feel, that felt good, feels good. I feel like we got to figure out how to do it again. And I'm trying to, like, just think about how that differs from saying to a kid who's not bringing it, doesn't Mm want to do it, Mm -hmm. look, here's this pretty bracelet. You get this when you do what we're asking. And they feel materially different um, because the the celebration is you did great, we're so proud of you, and we want you to know – that we appreciate it and appreciate you and here's how we celebrate. That to me somehow, for reasons I don't even know that I can describe, that feels good, that feels fine. The the carrot, right, the here's the thing I'm going to offer you to do what I'm asking. The hazard there, and I think that the mom actually raises this in the letter, like am I, you know, am I setting myself up? The hazard there is that then the kid might be like, well, then I'm not going to do anything unless I know there's a prize at the end. Mm -hmm. And so what we're getting to, and I love the way just as we sort of scrape away, scrape away, this all becomes more clear. What we're getting to is there's, I guess, two categories of things that we want our kids to do. You know, one is the stuff they should do, like do well in school and, you know, not make grades that they're going to be sorry about. And we really want to assume that they will have their own motivation and really use bribing as a kind of break glass in case of emergency (laughs) option for that. (laughs) The other category is where the kid doesn't want to, has no interest, and they kind of have a point, right? This kid kind of has a point, right? And the mom knows she has a point. And yet the parent has decided, it really matters to me. Do it for me. And and I think if we're able to say to a kid, it matters to me, do it for me, I think bribing is probably much more acceptable under those conditions because it is in this negotiable, you know, you don't really have to do the extra activity, but I want you to category. Mm. What do you think? Do you, I, think? you know, you've opened my eyes about the bribing versus the celebratory gifts that, you know, there's a difference in the way it's presented and the feel of it. Um, I'm curious though, but it's a, it's a something that a lot of parents I think struggle with is the question that the parent asks here is how busy should my kid be? How much structure right. should they have? You talk about warmth and structure all the time, Lisa, right? How important warmth and structure is, but when is overscheduling like you've just gone overboard at this point, and when is it not enough? This is a great question, and I love that she asks it, and I also love that she says, you know, my sense is he needs more structure. So my sense is go with your gut, right? If you feel like your kid needs more structure, he needs more structure, give him more structure. But I love that this parent is paying attention to the question of whether she's going to push it too far. Yeah. So here's how busy kids should be, because it's actually good for kids to be busy. We know this, right? Like I say, warmth and structure, structure is good. What a lot of parents find right around this boy's age, 11, 12, is 
it's often the kid driving the wish to be busier, that their you know, friends are doing a lot of activities. They want to sign up for a lot of activities. In this letter, the mom is the one who's pushing it more, but often it's the kid. And so this question comes up from one direction or another, like how busy should the kid be? And I remember having this with my older daughter when she was, I think, in the fifth or sixth grade, so right at this moment, and she wanted to do everything. And the way I worked it out with her is I said, sleep is the non-negotiable. You must get 10 hours of sleep a night because that's what middle school kids need. And the moment I am standing at your bedroom door telling you to stop doing your homework because you have to go to bed is the moment that activities start coming off your plate. Wow. And so that, for me, feels like a really good neutral rule about activity. Mm -hmm. They should not have so much activity that is interfering with 10 hours of sleep a night. Mm -hmm. That's too much. And then parents can work from there. And I also think, and this is such a beautiful thing that comes up in the letter, they should not have so little activity that they're spending a lot of time on YouTube and computers in ways that don't feel good. That's such a great point. Such a great point. Um, And and a great reminder about sleep. I think sometimes we forget. I was at the pediatrician a couple months ago, and she's like, you know, not getting enough sleep, uh, that could also be causing problems. So it made us rethink bedtime routines and, and getting them to fall asleep at the right time. Yeah. So important. So important. Wow. Well, this is a lot uh, that we've dug into with with bribing. What do you have for us for Parenting To Go? I think for me, the key Parenting To Go is to realize that you've got different options available to get your kids to do the things you want them to do. Mm -hmm. Um, Sometimes it's praise. Sometimes it's attaching meeting their responsibilities to having expanded privileges. That works really well as kids move into adolescence. And sometimes maybe it's a bribe. Sometimes it's a bribe. And you've laid out appropriately when you should pull the lever on the bribery. Yep, I come in handy. And next week, Lisa, we're going to talk about should my teen go to a sleepover with her boyfriend? I'll see you next week. See you next week. Thanks for joining us. Be sure to subscribe to the Ask Lisa podcast so you get the episodes just as soon as they drop. And send us your questions to asklisa at drlisademore.com. And now a word from our lawyers. The advice provided on this podcast does not constitute or serve as a substitute for professional psychological treatment, therapy, or other types of professional advice or intervention. If you have concerns about your child's well-being, consult a physician or mental health professional. If you're looking for additional resources, check out Lisa's website at drlisademore.com. We'll see you next week. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.